Hi there, I'm Trudy Lico, and you're listening to Mama's Kitchen, the series that explores what's life really like for women and girls in regional Australia. So pop the kettle on, put your feet up, and join me as I share a cuppa with some pretty amazing women. Today, I'm chatting with Ariella Anderson and Svita Gering, and we're talking about what's life really like for migrants outside of the capital cities. Ariella was born in North Africa. She grew up in Israel and she met her Australian husband while working on a kibbutz. Ariella first moved to Australia in 1981. Savita Gareng was born in Nepal, schooled in India and moved to Australia with her Nepalese husband nine years ago. Savita, how common are arranged marriages in Nepal? Uh, it's pretty common, like, but things are changing now. Uh, um, but it's, I would say it's very common. Like my, myself was in an arranged marriage, how I met my husband or how I got married to my husband. It's pretty common, but things are changing with the time. So how were you introduced to your husband or the idea of your husband introduced to you? Well, uh, I was 24 then and 24 and 25 years of, uh, like for a girl is the right age to get married in our culture. Uh, so there were proposals coming. There would be suitable, not suitable, depending upon families and things like that. And this proposal came and it was from my boss's boss itself like it, it was his nephew who was residing in Australia then and because in our culture we have lots of ethnicity like we are from the same culture same background kind of thing and families kind of knew each other um, so it was decided that we take it to a next uh, further stage like next level and we were introduced like by then he was still residing here and I was back in Nepal and then mm, we were told so I think that time we didn't even have Facebook we had another network that's called high five and that's how we added as a friend and we started looking pictures and things and then after that commenting and then we used messenger to talk because by then we didn't have other social thing to talk for long so uh, we've talked on phones, but it was most chatting that we did. And then mm, he's uh, like the things, okay, we like kind of each other. And it went to a proceed to a next level kind of thing. And then the parents visited, um, the, his parents visited my parents and they said, we want your daughter, things like that. And that's how it happened. So the thing started in, I think, March 2008. And by December 2008, I was married. And what did you know about Australia at that stage? How familiar were you with the country? Um, I was because cricket is quite popular in Nepal as well. But I never in my wildest dream had thought like I would be going to Australia or residing there uh, kind of thing. Uh, there is this culture at the moment, like many of this Nepalese young uh, youth would come to Australia for studies and things like that. But because I had already finished my bachelor then and I was working in the United Nations, I didn't feel that urge to come as a student in a, on a student visa for here. And so I never in my wildest dream thought that I would marry a man who's residing in Australia and make a home here. <laughs> And so how liberal is Nepali culture? Could you have stepped out of that relationship as it was forming? Did you have choice in who you took as your husband? Yes, I would, would have choice. But again, there are many things in our culture. Like you, we don't live as an individual. There's more of a family kind of thing. But thank God that 
thing didn't come in my <laughs> my case, but um, I think uh, we uh, in our culture we just don't think for ourselves. We think about our parents, our families, and um, there are lots of things that comes together. And what reactions do you get from people when they learn about your marriage and the fact that it was arranged? Uh, they think that, is it forced? That's the first impression that I get, you know. So it was like, was it forced? But it's nothing like that. You have the choice to go whether they want to proceed further or not. It's just a matter of arranging a sense. It's just bringing two persons together and up to two individuals to decide whether they want to go further or not. It's not forced that you have to marry, marry. But that's the perception that people get. Oh, was it forced? Like, did you ever meet him kind of thing? Did you were just alive. That's not the case. And Ariella, your husband is Australian and so marriage like Savita led you to live here and migrate to Australia. But how did you come to be on the kibbutz that you were on when you met Peter? My time on the kibbutz was part of my army service. So we have to do army service in Israel for two years and that's what I've done. Once you're 18 you go to the army and that's where I met my husband Peter. And Obviously, over time, getting to know each other, getting to know where he came from was very, very uh, much part of it. And after our stint in Israel, we thought, okay, we're going to go to Australia traveling and see what's happening there. Because it was important to me to see where my husband came from, to learn about his heritage and his background. And I must say that I was very fortunate to come to Australia and not live in Sydney or Brisbane or Melbourne. I, I lived in the bush, in the Australian bush, and I loved every little bit of it. So we worked on farms. We live north of Broken Hill, in the middle of the desert, with amazing <laughs> amount of sheep on the, on the place. So I've done all the things from, you know, working in the woolshed to picking up hay, to going fishing, to going hunting. The real Australian experience, and that was just through, we lived as a pair very happily before we had kids, to get to know the place and to get to know himself. So I was very fortunate in that way. Ariella, as a Jewish Israeli woman, how unusual were you in the shearing sheds? Pretty unusual, I may say. Quite, you know, different. My biggest excitement when I first came to Australia, apart from getting to try to understand the accent of the farmers, because I lived around Gandhigai to start with, and later on on the way to Tipperbara. So you meet the real Aussie accent and the real Aussie characters. But I actually met some soldiers that were in Israel where I grew up, in Beersheba. They were there as part of the light horse. And they knew the main street of my city, back in 1917, and that was so exciting for me to meet these people to the point that actually sitting in the pub and talking to this old gentleman out there, and he brought me a photograph while he was in the army and showing how much fun the Australian soldier had there because they had the best beers, so they really enjoyed it. But it was a very thrilling way to meet the Australian people. It was an immediate contact and a very good one. And the fact that I was Jewish and Israeli was no obstacle of whatsoever, quite the contrary. It was a point of uh, interest, some curiosity that I found way back in 1981 when I first met Australia. And then later on when I arrived to Bundaberg in 98, the curiosity of the local people and I think of mostly regional people, they did have a form idea of what it is, what is a Jew, what is an Israeli. There was some level of openness and a sheer curiosity, human curiosity to hear more about my story, to learn about myself. Because to date I have not found any other Israeli or Jewish person in Bundaberg, so in a way I feel a bit responsible, first to represent that part of my identity correctly, and also tell, tell my story. 
And how about you, Savita? What's your experience been like? Have you felt unusual or the odd one out at any point? Uh, not exactly. I wouldn't say. No, I think people has been really great, like supportive. And the most thing is like, um, you can't just stay within four, uh, four walls and say this and that if you go out if you want to go to if you want to really know the Australian culture you have to be willing to go out and share and mingle with them uh, so till now like my experience has been great how big is the Nepalese community here in the Bundaberg region okay uh, the Nepalese community is growing day by day like first for example in 2008 we had around no not 2008 2010 we had around 400 to 500 people but mostly they were uh, not a permanent resident here they were all in student visa so they were working here in the farms at the moment we would say we would have around uh, 120 people so still quite a small community really Yes, I would still say because at times, you know, mm, yeah, still a community, but still a community. still a community. Yes, yeah, still a community in a sense. Like when we have big uh, festivals, we do have we uh, come together and celebrate. So a few years ago, that wasn't possible because we didn't have much people. But now it is really nice. And Savita, you're Nepalese, of course, but you also identify with an ethnic group. Tell us a little bit about that. Okay, so I'm Gurung. Uh, so within uh, in Nepal, there are like 75 districts, and 70 within 75 districts, there are 100 and something dialects. But now it has changed. But so though it's a very small country, we have different ethnicity, different uh, caste system, what we call. So as a Gurung, uh, we are an indigenous group in Nepal. Uh, we are, I think we are around 8% of the total population. And our uh, ancestors were basically involved in farming and joined the military. So mm, a few years ago, all our men, or mostly men, were not very educated. Only very few were educated because once they uh, were 18 or something, they would join army or get recruited in either in the British army or the Indian army or the Nepal army. Um, we are um, we follow Buddhism and Hinduism is it's in the, like it's very mixed like we wouldn't say and the women in our community are very liberal in a sense like the woman has got like the women's have the power to say stuff like we have other communities within Nepalese but the women's are but the women's in our culture have always got a chance to say their opinions and things and so Ariella is there an Israeli community in the Bundaberg region no, I'm afraid there isn't. The only Israeli I happen to see in Bundaberg are backpackers. So usually you hear them in the fuel station, so you just go and say hello. But mm -hmm. no, there's no Israelis and there's no uh, Jewish community in Bundaberg. And you've lived in a few different places in Australia, all in country Australia. Have you lived anywhere where there's got either a significant Jewish community or an Israeli community? No, not really. All my interaction with Australia was in regional Australia. And, you know, it's a very small community in Warner Bedry, which is not far from Gandhi Guy. So I think it's like one shop, which is the post office, the main shop, you know, everything together and all the farms around it. Or on the highway between Broken Hill and Tibabara. So no, you don't usually find any Jewish community there or any Israelis. But I think that was actually a bonus because I wanted to, like, you know, you were saying, Savita, I wanted to get to know Australia. 
and you learn the people. So you, in a way, you're forced to interact with the local people, and it's, it's a joy. This is the joy of coming to a place which is different than your home because you don't want to come elsewhere and try to, oh, everything should be like mm -hmm. I left. Mm -hmm. Then just stay there, you know? Part of my excitement of coming to Australia was to discover what Australia had to offer, and it's so different than everything I grew up with. Like in Israel, yes, I grew up in a city, and then when I lived in Paris, nothing comparing to what was happening in Australia. And I actually think that I lived the Australian dream or the Australian experience totally much better than some of the local from Mandeburg, to be honest. Did you experience much of a culture shock when you arrived in Australia? Originally, yes, it was very hard because if you can imagine, I uh, turned 21, within 10 days, I got married, <laughs> I, left the, I finished the army, left my family, left Israel, and, you know, from one extreme to the next, uh, from coming from a home, from a scenario where everything is very controlled and very disciplined, like the army, and off we went into Australia. It was like a big cut, and originally we went and lived around Gandigai on a farm, and we worked there in the farm, so it was very, very different. I mean, from simple thing, I used to think I speak English good enough, but mm. you interact with the local, the farmers, and their accent is very hard to follow. To every little thing, I mean, you won't think, but little thing like the light switches are backwards. The driving is backward. The time frame is really different. So from the very simple, non-significant event to things which are very different, like in Israel, we live in the night. <laughs> Like, we don't waste any time because time is so precious. So people live into the night. In Australia, I may say, Bundaberg, 5.30, it's shut down, and light turns off. I find, okay, this is where I start living. This is my hours, you know? So it does take a lot of adjusting, and I must say that some of the things we have not adjusted. The, the, the hours we eat, we eat differently. The time we live, we live. So, yeah, you adjust to what is required of you, you know, when you live on location. But you bring the good things as well. So it was a culture shock, definitely. I, I knew it was really hard to do things that were important to me as far as the religion. I wasn't a religious person, but what we call in Israel a traditional person. So I grew at home with some basic thing that we kept, some special holiday that we kept, and some special ritual. And what I did is actually make sure that we had them in Australia, regardless if it was just myself and I had my husband way in the bush, or whether it was here in Bundaberg with my three kids. So you can actually mimic the, the tradition. What I'm saying by mimic is adjust because you can't always find the proper food or the proper thing, but you can create a little hub of a family. So it's much more intimate. It's not like in the big city in Israel or in the street where you're familiar with, but you can create that special atmosphere even if it's in the middle of the week and it's a very holy religious holiday because when it's important enough and it was important for me to keep this heritage going and my kids to get that idea of a Jewish holiday. So we did it in Bandi and... If anything, in the school or at the work, people actually were interested. So it was yet another outlet for my kids, for example, at Shalom College, to talk about their religion, about their habit, about the thing that they did way back in Israel because they lived up to the age of 12 in Israel. So they came with a very solid background. So it was a very good exchange. It wasn't a negative thing. It was quite a positive thing on both directions. And Savita, how was the experience for you? Did you undergo a bit of a culture shock when you first arrived as well? Uh, not exactly in a sense. Like we had a, or like when I arrived here in Brisbane, we did had few friends, Nepalese friends. There was, so there wasn't much going out within outside of the community when I first arrived. So it was 
just going to one's place for dinner and things like and that and most uh, other days because I wasn't working I would just be home um, but because since the whole experience I have the husband who was already working here and I had a home to live in things like that I didn't had to face much struggles or things like that the only thing was I would say was food in a sense like instant fast food that we would get in our back home like which I would like to go to. we just go to the street and buy it but here it's like you literally have to make yourself and I wasn't really good at cooking so YouTubes and things would like, help you and then but it wouldn't come up the way you would and then you end up cooking for four hours and five hours and the end product is not good that was the only thing that I missed back from home like otherwise everything was nice I, I think I quite adjusted well like I enjoyed and with time, you became a mum for the first time while you were living here in Bundaberg. What was that experience like being so far away from family and from the women in your life back home? Uh, I would say it was really emotional that time because literally I had no friends. No friends in a sense like we had a community but I didn't have family and friends here. Like whoever I met was from my f husband's uh, like friends and their wives would be my friend but life here is very busy you can't just knock on other t people houses or go in for a tea or things like that you have to make appointments and things like that and because I was pregnant um I don't know it was really emotional but once I had the baby it was really bad I mean like really bad in a sense like I was really happy I, I loved being a mom but there was a darker stage when you are at home all day and night with a baby, not knowing much what to do with it. Um, though I did get help from the midwives, I did had friends to help, but um, it was uh, like temporary things, you know, like you would want to speak to your mom and have your baby, like, you know, want to show around, but there was no place or anything to do that and that time even the internet back home wasn't that good like though it was good here like you know it's very easy now like we can do FaceTime and things we know everything instantly but that time it was quite hard um, but I'm glad that everything came into place like I have two beautiful boys now and I'm good. Ariella in Bundaberg it often feels like there's a church on every corner at, at some point where is your nearest synagogue? Mm, Brisbane. Brisbane, the, the synagogue there. And we have visited there and we occasionally went and bought some special grocery that we needed for holidays. But it's a very different kind of community. They're very close up in a way. And being Israelis, which is the strongest part of our, of our identity and culture, it's not the same as just being a Jewish in what they call the diaspora, you know, in the overseas. So, yes, we we sort of, so it would be nice to get some sort of information from them and some linkage for them, but it's not on a daily basis. You can't really, it's not like you have a community within reach, so you can't create that contact. So no, we didn't have a synagogue. And a lot of the holiday we just spent, originally when I lived with Peter and, you know, in the bush, it was him and me around a, a nice table and the candles and doing Shabbat and blessing and doing the ritual. But So it's a bit sad, there's no doubt, you know. You miss the family, this is the time you want to have the greater family. But we have decided that we make the most of it, and that's what we did. So if you couldn't find a pomegranate that you had to need it for the new year, you need a pomegranate, so we use a passion fruit. Like, you know, you couldn't make the special bread that we need for Passover, the matzah, so we made it ourselves. So we sort of constantly improvised, 
And that became a bit of our special take on holidays, if you want. Because if you wanted to be exactly like in, you know, in Israel, so probably we should have lived in Melbourne or Sydney. But that was not the life that we wanted to have. We wanted to experience life in a regional part of Australia and in Queensland, and we love it. I mean, this is, that suits us. It's the right place for us to be as a couple and as a family. And I really don't think it hurt any one of us, not my kids and not ourselves, to experience things in a different way because it's really important to understand that Judaism, it's not about you follow the rule one, two, three. It's about the essence of the religion. It's about the conceptual ideas behind it. And this is why I think we have that freedom to improvise. And it's really what you carry in your heart that's important and in your own head. And for that very specific reason, I found that our interaction with Shalom College, a good, originally we thought Shalom College was actually a good Jewish school, okay, when we first come to Bundy, and that was one of the attractions. But it's a very good Catholic school, and we got on like immensely, really, really well. Because there was this core values that you know, are part of Christianity that echoed back or came originally, if I may say so, from Judaism. And, and you know, you get on with people that have core values like yourself, and it doesn't matter where they come from or what language they speak or what accent they got, okay? You, you find a way. It's sort of past the words, really. And I must say that the community at Shalom College and the Bannerberg East State School, they were like families to us. Because when we came here, when you know one, like Savita, you were saying, it's really hard at the beginning. And you got three kids that I used to have their friends and I used to just get out of the street and go and play with friends. But both the communities at high school, at the state school, at the primary school, they were like a family that embraced us and that took us in. And that made a huge difference to the way we actually feel, felt in Bundaberg. You did feel at home because people were welcoming you. You know, they embraced you, they were interested, and then they never made you feel like you're foreign or you don't belong which I must say that was a very important thing, quite amazing. We hear all the time that the statistics that over a quarter of Australians now are born overseas and that Australia is this incredibly multicultural country. Ariella, are you seeing those statistics and that perception reflected in the community around you in Bundaberg? I can see the change since I originally came to Bundaberg in 98. I can see an enormous change in the influx of people from a variation of countries, like Savita mentioned. But I don't see, I, I will not say that Bundaberg is multicultural. I, I don't feel it, mm -hmm. mainly because it is a dominance of the original Australian. And there's nothing wrong with it. I mean, that's the way it is because people that come to this region, mostly, you know, they come to have a job and they come to have a life. So it's a lot harder, let's say, to migrate to just come to Australia. They probably got more potential of finding the right things in the bigger city. Plus then they have their own community. So the, the chance of people just randomly, like Savita or myself, arriving to places like Bundaberg is a smaller chance. So I don't feel that the life in Bundaberg will be multicultural. I will not say that. Yes, there's been a huge change. There's a lot more people from different cultures that arrived, and you f see it. Physically, you see it in the street, and I enjoy seeing it because then I don't feel like I'm the odd one, mm. <laughs> you know? But I, I think, in a way, there is a reserved um, panel. You know, it's not, it's not as widespread. And if I may express the fact that, yes, there's a lot of people coming and you say one in four in Australia is coming from different country, but there's still the perception that Australia is a white Australia. I identify very strongly with indigenous people of Australia. I have friends in the work which are indigenous people and or indigenous artists. And I feel that I have common ground with them easier with middle-class Australia. Because, or the Italian community in Bundaberg, yeah, like we, you know, like we brought us on fire, we get on like nothing because there's some different culture 
it, it is a very cultural difference that the people came from Italy or from Greece, that automatically you create a relationship with them. With Australians that have been born and bred in Australia, there's a little bit of a hardship. Not that it's not doable, it is doable, but it requires more effort. So I think it's in the right direction. It's gonna take a bit, few more years, probably a few more decades really, to have that meshing between the two societies or to actually create one amalgamated society. I, I see like we can still feel a bit of a disconnect. And Savita, country Queensland is also often tarred with being a little bit behind the times, a little bit of a backwater perhaps, and it's often associated with Pauline Hanson, the One Nation Party, and some fairly strong anti-migration opinions. Have you experienced any prejudice because of these attitudes? Uh, I wouldn't say I have experienced anything as such. Like I said, like my experience in Australia has always been good. Uh, I've always felt welcomed. And I think it's to your attitude towards the community. Like if you behave, if you are like respectful to them, I think they respect you back. So like, yeah, I haven't felt anything as such at all. And how about yourself, Ariella? Have you experienced any racism or prejudice because of being Jewish or Israeli? No, not at all. Quite the contrary. I must say that I, I applaud, if, if I may, you know, the Australian community and the Bundaberg community because I felt nothing but welcome at every step of the way. So there's no prejudice, there's no outcast whatsoever. And if anything, there's more interest. So I never felt like I got to keep my identity to myself or hide it. Quite the contrary. And people here, after I find that, are probably more courteous and more polite and more interested than the average bear that you find in, you know, in Sydney or Melbourne. Because there is the more human contact, which is part of the beauty of the regional Australia. Even though I never met Savita before, like maybe you know, a couple of minutes, we feel like, yeah, we know each other from before, from ever. You know? like, exactly. There is an interaction which is immediate. And Ariella, tell me, do you think your life would have been different had you lived in a capital city here in Australia? Definitely, and most likely I would not be here, I reckon. Not because I got anything against the Australian capital city, but I don't like the, the feel in the city. I go to Brisbane, I love going to see show, I love to go for a long weekend, but I have no doubt in my mind, not a single doubt, that my life in Australia, which wasn't, by the way, intended. Originally we came here for two, three years, and then it spilled into 13 and 14 years, yeah? But... Um, I have no doubt that our interaction with Australia, of myself, I'm talking myself as an Israeli and my kids who, who lived half their life in Israel as well, was facilitated through our life in regional Australia. The life in, in a capital city would have been very different and I think I would have felt the longing. You know, you can be in a big city with a lot of people and then you feel even more lonely. <laughs> so I didn't have that loneliness here in Bundaberg. And how about you, Savita? You had that taste when you had your early days in Brisbane and you also lived for a few months in Canberra. Have you ever imagined what if you'd stayed in those cities? Now, looking back, I think it would, like, it wouldn't have been... I don't know how to say it, but, like, since we moved from Bundaberg, I think this is the place to be because with the young family we have, the beach is just, uh, beach is just five minutes' drive from here and, like, the work-life balance is just great. But uh, at, uh, there was a point in our life when we didn't have employment, like I personally didn't work. So it was hard for one man to to raise a family. Then we did think about moving to uh, out of Bundaberg. But um, I don't think it would be, uh, now it would be easier for us to go back to cities. The other thing is what I find is like now since our community in the cities are growing bigger and bigger, what I think is like we are then confined to our own communities. 
because life is so busy here like you would want to go be with your community and there would be you wouldn't have that opportunity to mingle with the real australians that's what i think sometimes which i have here like i do have a community but i have a balance between the my community and the australian community and which is a plus point and that gives you lots of opportunity to understand the culture here the people here well thank you both very much for coming along today and sharing this cuppa with me and sharing a little snapshot into your lives thank you You've been listening to Mama's Kitchen, presented and produced by me, Trudy Ligo. This podcast has been made possible by the fabulous folks at Creative Regions. And with the generous support of the WOW Regional Voice Program, the Tim Fairfax Family Foundation and ABC Wide Bay. You've also been listening to One More Round by David Seste from the Free Music Archive. Thanks for listening in.